may be seated. And welcome to Holy Word. You brothers and sisters in Christ, you who have been recipients of God's unexpected and amazing grace, may that grace and peace be yours in abundance tonight and always. Amen. I think it's interesting how two people, two different people, can look at the same event or have the same experience or even look at the same person but have two very different and sometimes even opposing views, even though they've seen the same thing. You've probably experienced that in your life. Maybe you've even been one of the two people where that's happened. And I think in our country today, we are especially seeing it in the presidential races. <laughs> if, uh, it's, it's just interesting to me, and I'm sure it is to you, how two people can look at the same presidential candidate and have very, very different views of that person. One person can look at the candidate and love who they are. They, they like the things they're hearing from them. They love their agenda. They love their platform. And by the way, I'm not trying to make any political statements here, just so you know. I'm not trying to change your political views, just making an illustration. <laughs> um, they, they like their agendas, they like their platforms, and they think, you know, if that person was president, I think they would do an awesome job leading our country. Whereas another person can look at the same candidate. They've heard the same debates, they've seen, you know, they've seen the same things in media, they've heard the same words from their mouth, and they can think that person would be terrible in office. I don't like what they stand for, I don't like their agendas, and, uh, and I think if they would be our president, that our country would be headed for ruin. <laughs> so two, diff- two people looking at the same person, but very, very different responses. The same thing happens with Jesus. Two people can look at the person of Jesus Christ... They can both hear the things that he says, read the things, his words in the Bible, know the good news of Jesus Christ, sins forgiven, but have two very, very different responses to that same person. You've maybe experienced that as well. Tonight we're going to see that. We're going to see two people that both, for as much as we know, had the same time with Jesus. They got to see the same things with Jesus in in the, the last few moments of their life, really, the last few hours. But they had two very different responses to Jesus. Our text for tonight comes from Luke chapter 23. And as Vicar Ben mentioned prior to the service, Uh, Jesus, at this point in time, is hanging on the cross. He's been through a lot, to say the least, over the last several hours. He's been arrested. He's been unfairly tried at least a couple of times. He's been beaten. He's been ridiculed. He's been mocked. He's been flogged. And ultimately, he's been condemned to death. And so now, here he is hanging on this cross. On either side of him are two criminals, also condemned to death, hanging from their own cross their own crosses. We don't know exactly what their crimes were, but it's very possible that both of these men 
had committed armed robbery and quite possibly murder as well. But regardless of whatever their crimes were, they both were punished for basically the same crimes. And they were punished in the same way, death on a cross. Both of them were hardened rascals, we would maybe say. They maybe had the same lifestyle prior to this moment in time, prior to them getting caught. Maybe they even had the same upbringing. They're both in the same position. They're both condemned to death. They're both receiving justice for their penalty. They're both suffering at the moment along with Jesus. They both get to see Jesus. They get to hear him in the same time frame, hear his words, watch his actions. They're both touched by God's grace, but yet two very different responses. Let's look at the first one. It's from uh, the chapter Luke 23, and it's verse 39. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Let's stop there for a moment. This first thief... You can almost hear the venom in his voice. You can almost uh, feel the, uh, the sarcasm that he had for Jesus. And he has the audacity to question who Jesus is. But while questioning who he is, he also demands that he do something about what's going on. He's, it's like, Messiah? <laughs> If you were the Messiah, you'd take care of this. You'd get me out of this mess, and you'd get yourself out of it too. There's no no hint of remorse or regret over what he's done. There's no desire to change or to make amends, even though he's just moments away, just hours away from dying and meeting his maker. He looks at Jesus, and he doesn't see the love of Christ. He doesn't see the love of Jesus. He doesn't see what he's doing for him willingly. He doesn't get the grace of God. All we see in this man is his own selfish desires, the same selfish desires that led him to steal in the first place and got him into the trouble that he's in. This, this man was given a gift from God. He got to live in a very peaceable Roman society. In other words, he had perhaps at that moment in time probably the best opportunity to find a job, to live a life outside of crime. But he rejected that gift from God. He decided that he was going to do it his own way that he was going to steal from people, that he was going to hurt other people, possibly even kill other people. And he took that same mindset with him when he confronted Jesus. He rejected the gift of Jesus that God had put right in front of him. 
He was going to deal with things his own way. He didn't want Jesus, at least not the Jesus he had heard about. He only wanted Jesus if it helped him and his desires. If it was convenient for him, he would take Jesus. You and I have also been given a gift from God. We live in a very peaceable American society. But yet, every single one of us here have stolen. We're just like the thief. And if you maybe not, if you're not so sure about that, I want you to ask yourself a couple of questions. Have you ever wasted time or abused time at work? Have you ever not paid someone back even though you know that you owed them? Have you ever gotten ahead at the expense of another person? Have you ever taken the credit for something that was someone else's ideas or was the fruit of someone else's labors? Have you ever taken something that's not yours? If you have, and I know you have, because I have, then you're a thief. We're no better than that criminal. And we're also, every single one of us is a murderer. Jesus said that if you talk to someone, if you speak to someone with hurtful words, you've committed murder in your heart. Jesus said that if you harbor hateful, angry, vengeful thoughts for someone else, you've committed murder against them in your heart. And we, too often, like the thief, also either miss out on or reject the gifts that God tries to give us in our life, sometimes even the gift of Jesus Christ. We want Jesus when it's convenient for us. When it satisfies my desires, yes, then I want Jesus around. We kind of treat Jesus like a genie in a lamp or like that old rusty uh, tire jack or car jack that's in the car. You know, we pull him out when we're in trouble, when we're in a jam, but when we're done, we throw it back in the trunk. We don't really have time for him after that. And when we suffer, like the thief on the cross, we don't like it. And we want Jesus to get us out of it. We'll even make demands, sometimes in our minds, to God to get us out of it and to make our life smoother. God, if you're really the amazing, wonderful, loving God that you say you are, then why am I in this hellish mess? Sounds like the thief, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> that hardened heart that's inside of, that was inside of that criminal... It lingers inside of each of us, too. But there was another thief, and he was touched by God's grace, too, and he had a very different response. So let's look at what happened with him, verses 40 to 42. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? 
We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I, I think the faith of this guy is pretty amazing. <laughs> I think, and I think sometimes we, we go over this passage and we don't realize in just a few simple words just how amazing his faith is. And remember, this, this is a guy who was a, a, a rascal. He was a, his whole life, as far as we know, or at least recently, had been a hardened criminal. He had committed crimes that made it worthy, made him worthy of the death penalty. And Matthew and Mark tell us in the other Gospels that earlier on, he was right there with that other thief and right there with the crowds mocking and ridiculing Jesus. But now just, just look at the change in, in this guy, okay? And I just want to look at a few things just to highlight how amazing this guy's faith is, okay? So look at verse 41. He says, We are punished justly. Forget, we're getting what our deeds deserve. You don't see him trying to explain away, trying to excuse away his, his crimes. He's readily admitting I am a sinner. I have committed terrible crimes, and I deserve exactly what I'm getting. A public confession of his sins. That's amazing faith. Uh, Go on in verse 41. He he turns to Jesus and says, But this man has done nothing wrong. So he, he didn't know a lot about Jesus, but he knew that Jesus was innocent. He knew that Jesus had not committed any crimes and that he was getting punished unjustly. He goes on, verse 42, he, says, he looks to Jesus and he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So here he is on the cross, he's about ready to die, he's about ready to meet his maker, and he turns to the man next to him, bleeding, suffering, kind of a mess of a man, but he recognizes that there's something special about him, that he's actually a king, because he knows he has some type of a kingdom. He probably doesn't know exactly what, but he knows this guy is some type of a king, and he's got a kingdom that I want to be a part of. And he knows he must have the power to get me out of this predicament that I am in. And notice his prayer. Jesus, remember me. He, does, he knows he doesn't deserve a whole lot of anything, from anybody, especially Jesus, he doesn't ask for a place of honor or, or a special place in God's kingdom. He, says, he just says, Jesus, can you just remember me? He, he falls at the mercy of Jesus. And finally, so all of these things, amazing parts of this guy's faith. The last thing is in verse 40. Go back to verse 40. It says, uh, but the other criminal rebuked him. So, right, he rebuked the other criminal for hurling insults at Jesus. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? So maybe the first and only fruit of this guy's faith was that he witnessed to the guy, other guy on the cross. And not just, you know, shh, you know, let me, come here, let me pull you aside and tell you this. 
publicly in front of all these people and in front of Jesus. He stood up for his Savior. said, you're not going to talk about Jesus that way. And by the way, you might want to think about getting your life straight. I got to tell you, when I, when I look at this guy's faith, I think, it looks a little better than mine a lot of times. <laughs> God did the unexpected with this thief. No one that went out there that day expected to see this guy confess his faith like that. God did this amazing, unexpected thing by his grace. He touched this guy with his grace, and he created faith in this hardened heart. But that's what God's grace does. And again, he didn't know a lot about Jesus, but what he did know was enough. He knew that he had done terrible things, terrible crimes he had committed, but not Jesus. He knew that he deserved to die. Jesus deserved to live. And he knew that this man, Jesus, was being unjustly punished, but yet he was willingly enduring it. And I, I have to think that, that this man in his head thought to himself, if this guy can do all of that and is all of that, then just maybe he's who he says he is. And he turned to him in faith. God's grace does amazing, unexpected things. And one of them is that it can create an amazing faith in even the most hardened of hearts. There's something else amazing and unexpected that God's grace did on that day. Look at verse 43. So this is Jesus' response to, to this criminal reaching out to him. He says, Jesus, or I'm sorry, verse 43. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So in response to this request, and by the way, it's, it's a very simple, humble request. Again, re, just remember me. Jesus, in this man's darkest hours, in the deepest depths of the valley of his life, he promises him something that went way above and beyond what this guy probably ever expected. He, he says, Jesus, remember me. Just You know, it's almost like he's saying, Jesus, when you get to where you're going, even if I can just be a passing thought to you, I would appreciate that. And Jesus says to him, my dear child, you are so much more to me than a passing thought. You're going to be with me today in paradise Your suffering, what you're going through right now, is going to end today. No more. And we're not just going anywhere, but we are going to a place, the place, 
the place where everybody wants to be, heaven, where God dwells today. This, this man, this criminal, is like, you know, Jesus, I just, I know you have something out there, and, and I, just, I just want to be on the end with that. Is there any way that I can be in with that? And Jesus says, yes, yes. You're in. You and I, we're going there. We're going together. This criminal begged for crumbs. And in a few hours, Jesus would give him the entire pantry. But that's what God's grace does. It does amazing and unexpected things, like giving an amazing amount of hope in a very, very dark situation, in the darkest of valleys. There's actually quite a few things in this account that are um, unexpected and amazing about God's grace. Ironic, if we're going to use the word that we've been using for our series, um, there's one more here that I want to share with you, and it's this, that God's grace even did something unexpected for Jesus on that day. And let me explain it to you. So part of the punishment that Jesus had to endure for you and I is to have the Father turn his back to him during those moments on the cross. He had to suffer hell on the cross. And that's what hell is, is God walking away, right? No God the Father around. And that's why Jesus at other places in the gospel cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was feeling forsaken. He was forsaken by his Father. Again, that was part of his punishment. But even with God Forsaking his own son, in the middle of that, God gave him this neat little gift. And kind of, kind of an incredible gift, really. In, in, his waning, in the waning moments of his life, fe- feeling the abandonment, the darkness of that abandonment from his own father, Jesus got to see a fruit of his labors. He got to see this criminal come to faith right before him. It was a gift of of a sinner touched by God's grace. The gift of a sinner turning from evil and wickedness to Jesus. The gift of another believer to be at his side, so to speak, during his last hours of life on this earth. A fellow saint that in a little while would walk through the gates of heaven with him. And I, I, you know, I have to think that that was, that gave Jesus a lot of joy in that moment, in his deep, deep sorrow, to have this, this person and to see this person come to faith a gift from his father. But, but again, but that's what grace is. <laughs> that's what God does. God is a giver even when he's taking. 
Because that's his nature. That's what grace is all about, is giving amazing, wonderful, unexpected things. And again, even when it appears like, or even when he is taking. God the Father, when he was taking the punishment that Jesus, he wasn't taking himself, I'm saying he was, he was receiving it as payment for our sins, he was actually giving to us a verdict of not guilty. When God was taking his own son's life, he was giving to us eternal life. And in our lives, when God seems to be doing all the taking, when suffering and darkness and trouble comes our way, when we're in the middle of all that, even in the middle of that, God is actually giving. Maybe he's giving us a deeper faith. Maybe he's giving us strength and patience to endure the struggles. Maybe he's giving us, like he did to Jesus, someone to be alongside of us, to encourage us. We may never know. We may never see it, this side of heaven. We may never understand it. But the fact is, is that God, even when he takes, is giving. Because God is a giver. God loves to give. And that's what his grace, again, is all about. It's about giving amazing, unexpected gifts. God gave Jesus another gift later. A person who would come to faith and would share that amazing grace with other people. And that gift was you. You are also a gift from God the Father to Jesus. He took your hardened criminal heart and he created an amazing faith inside of it. And God continues to give gifts. He continues to extend his amazing, unexpected grace today in our world. He is giving a gift to you when he walks alongside of you in your journey of faith while you're carrying your cross, just like those criminals. He's giving you a gift when he shares with you and when he promises you the gift of paradise with him when you're going through dark times. God loves to give gifts. God is a giver and God is full of grace. So the question tonight is not, and for this year is not, you know, what is your viewpoint of this candidate? Or at least that's not the most important question. The most important question is, how are you going to respond to God's grace, to God's unexpected, amazing grace? I don't know if, uh, if you guys heard about this um, to close here tonight, but uh, this last Christmas season, so just a few months ago, uh, the Williamson County Police uh, did something kind of unexpected and amazing. They, uh, they pulled people over, sometimes for a minor uh, traffic violation, sometimes for nothing at all. And they would walk up to their window and they'd give them a gift card as a thank you for good driving. 
Have, have any of you heard of that happening? Was anybody a recipient of that happening? Okay. Um, and you know what it's like when you're driving a car, right? And you're driving along and you look in the rearview mirror and all of a sudden, oh, your heart just sinks. You see the lights and you're going, oh, goodness, you know, what did I do now? Or maybe you know what you did. Um, but you're, right, you, you just, it's just such a sinking feeling and you're thinking, oh, you're already thinking about the consequences and the ticket and, oh, maybe defensive driving and all, and you just, you you'll cautiously pull over to the side of the road. Um, and by the way, you don't do this, right? At least I don't think. When you see that, you don't gun it, pit the metal to the, or pedal to the metal and take off. You don't, uh, you know, when the police officer comes up, you don't verbally assault him saying, I didn't do that, you know, and, and trying to excuse your behavior. No, you, you know you've done wrong. And you, again, you just cautiously go over to the side of the road. Well, imagine that. But imagine the police officer coming up and you roll the window down and you look over and he says, hello, uh, we're trying to spread a little bit of Christmas cheer this season and uh, you haven't done anything wrong. Uh, I just want to give you this gift card and say Merry Christmas and thank you for, for being a good driver. <gasps> Wouldn't that be an unexpected, awesome gift to get? Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, Jesus is the same way. Often, we kind of look at Jesus the way we look at those lights in the rearview mirror. We get that kind of sinking feeling, like we've done something wrong when Jesus is around, and we just, we know we've been bad, and we're, we're thinking about the consequences, and oh, and it makes us even a little hesitant to spend time with Jesus and devotional time, and it can keep us away because we feel that guilt and that shame inside of us. Jesus walks up to our window and he says, Hello, I forgive you. And I love you very much. And so does God the Father. And someday we're going to take you to paradise with us. That's an unexpected, amazing gift. And you get it every day. And you got it again tonight from Jesus' words. So enjoy that gift every day. Drive like you're enjoying it. Live like you're enjoying it. Amen.